Folks, Brian Bledsoe with you once again here at the Desert Farmer Podcast. And as I kick this episode off this evening, I just simply want to say that my thoughts and prayers are with everybody in the Texas panhandle that have been dealing with the terrible wildfire situation for the past three days or so. And uh, it was just a perfect recipe for some significant wildfires and in some cases historic wildfires in the panhandle with um, the uh, Smokehouse Creek Complex approaching if not exceeding 1 million total acres burned um you know you, you you put that recipe together with all the dry flashy fuels and you get a couple of days in a row where the wind speeds are gusting in excess of 50 miles per hour and it really sets the stage for something bad to happen and unfortunately uh it came to fruition one of the things that I have learned uh, about communities that deal with wildfires, whether uh, it's a timber wildfire or it is a grassland wildfire, is that uh, the, the communities are strong, especially in the Texas Panhandle. And I know uh, the folks that are down there will build back bigger than ever and that that grassland will come back bigger than ever uh, as well. We've seen it happen time and time again, whether it's a giant wildfire like what we've had or if it's a smaller wildfire. The country is resilient, and it will come back. Uh, and the, just the terrible situation that we had to deal with is going to get at least a little bit of a reprieve from the awful weather conditions uh, that we saw just a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. In fact, it's going to be far from perfect because this time of year, almost every afternoon will involve at least breezy, if not windy conditions. Uh, but we have a little bit of a reprieve here. The bad news is, is that we will see strong wind approach the region again as we head toward this weekend. Now, it probably isn't going to be as brutal as what we saw uh, on uh, parts of the area on Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday. Uh, but there will be some significant wind gusts, likely in excess of 40 miles per hour coming out of New Mexico uh, on up into western parts of Texas and across the western high plains. So um, despite the fact that the wildfire conditions won't be as uh, extreme as what we have just recently seen, uh, that doesn't mean that they aren't going to be bad. And they're likely going to be bad for a while. And I'll be honest with you, this time of year, uh, when we start to see that seasonal change take place and the vegetation is still far from the green up, anything that's dry or dormant out there, uh, if it's lit on fire and you've got wind, it's going to burn. So obviously it just kind of goes without saying, use extreme caution every single day. And if you can avoid using anything flammable, uh, you know, please do so because uh, we obviously don't want to take any chances with the weather pattern that's setting up. And that kind of leads me to my next topic of discussion uh, and what lies ahead for the month of March. March is often a very volatile month. We think of that uh, in terms of, you know, whether it's blizzards in the western or northern plains or significant severe weather episodes across the central and southern part of the United States, or in some cases, uh, you know, extreme bouts with wind cold and warmth. Um, they all kind of come together in March. And some of the things that I'm looking at, uh, especially during the first half of this month, indicates something that's very similar to that. Meaning, I think the jet stream is going to remain very active. And I think the western part of the United States is going to actually be uh, troughy or stormy, if you will. And what that basically means is there will be storms coming into the western United States and that will eventually kick through the Rockies and come out of the midsection of the country. Uh, and in some cases, they will have the potential to produce some high-end weather. Whether that's be uh, whether that'll be in the form of snow and wind, like we can sometimes see, or 
uh, on the warmer side of things, uh, a volatile setup as far as severe weather is concerned. Now, a couple of things that I'm watching uh, for the month of March that have me concerned is, one, will the jet stream and these significant storm systems that come into the western United States drop far enough south to grace the southern plains with some much-needed moisture? Or will that energy still come through in such a way that it favors areas a little bit farther north across the western and the northern high plains? And while that that little piece of the puzzle, if you will, is still somewhat in doubt, I'm still significantly worried about areas of southern New Mexico uh, and southwest Texas being a little bit too far to the south to capitalize on this active weather pattern as it makes its way in from the west. And I'm not saying it's a done deal. I'm just simply looking at the setup uh, and the the part of the area that is still dealing with the significant dryness or drought, if you will, and that being southern New Mexico and southwest Texas. And it, those areas that are dry right now and the storm track's been farther north, look, I, I don't have any hardcore forensic meteorological evidence that is likely going to convince me that those areas are magically going to start getting wetter, all right? That doesn't mean that the pattern isn't going to be active. It just simply means that the pattern may set itself up in such a way that it benefits areas farther north and northeast with the better moisture chances. And I was just having this conversation today with a couple of folks, and I said the last thing I want to see is an active weather pattern coming into the first half of March, and it comes through in such a way where we waste it. And by that, I mean several of these disturbances that are uh, pronged to come through the first couple of weeks during the month of March um, may come through in such a way that they're too fast. And by that, I'm saying when they're too fast, they can't slow down and organize in such a way to where they can produce a significant wallop in terms of moisture. They skirt through too fast and they don't have that ability to strengthen and really stick and be meaningful. That's another one of my worries. So the first worry, as I said, the ongoing dryness in southern New Mexico and southwest Texas. And the second reason is that these storms that come into the west may kick out of the Rockies in too quick of a fashion uh, that uh, could really benefit us with a lot of significant moisture. Now, that being said, beyond that time frame, there is potential for that to change a little bit. That's the one thing that we're watching. I guess if I had to pick a time frame, at least during the first half of March, that really has my attention, and to be honest with you, if you follow us here at the Desert Farmer Podcast or on my Twitter page, uh, you know that I have talked a lot about that time frame right around the 7th through the 12th of March, kind of in that wheelhouse where we could get a significant storm system that actually would be a little bit slower moving, kick out of the southwest uh, and raise a little bit of a ruckus. That is still on the table right now. So um, this weekend, I think the storm that come to kick out of the Rockies is going to be a windmaker. The snow will likely benefit the mountain regions, and that's really going to be about it. I don't see a whole lot of moisture kicking eastward uh, with that particular storm. So I'm still targeting, at least for the potential, it's on the table, somewhere between the 7th and the 12th of March uh, with a significant disturbance coming out of the southwest that would probably have the best potential 
uh, at least during the first half of the month. Beyond that, we're going to have to see how things shake out. I was looking at the, the Madden-Julian oscillation cycle today or the MJO. Uh, there are some things that I like about it. There are also some things that I don't like about it. One of the things that I do like about it is that it's coming out in a fairly high amplitude in regions three, four, five, and possibly six. Now, what would prevent it from cycling through regions seven and eight, which can typically benefit the western and southern plains? is the easterly trade winds are starting to kick up uh, across the equatorial Pacific. And what that does is it kind of blocks that MJO signal from progressing deeper into those latter regions, the seven and the eight. So we may have to deal with the region three, four, five, six, and then it collapses, and then it'll have to cycle through again um, before we could see something significant kick out. That's something that I'm worried about right now. So there are some things that I like about the first half of March. There's some things that I don't like. We'll have to see how this whole thing uh, you know, shakes out. But the fact that the MJO is going to remain active and at a fairly high amplitude um, is, a, uh, is a, uh, a bonus for us. Okay, If it was weak, if it was staying way out there in the Indian Ocean and in the far western Pacific, we would probably have some issues. But we at least have a chance right here. For it, uh, for it to keep going. The other piece of evidence that I'm looking at going forward, uh, and this would not only be for March, but also April and May, is uh, the severe weather season. Uh, and by severe weather, I mean damaging winds with thunderstorms, hail with thunderstorms, tornadic activity with thunderstorms. And historically speaking, when you look back through some of those more important analog years that I have shared with you, Okay, the the 1966, the 1973, uh, the 1983, uh, the uh, the 1988s. Uh, when we look into the 90s, 1995, uh, and even if we go to 2016, all of those years have one thing in common, and that is the transition from El Nino, which we have right now, to neutral to La Nina. Now, I don't think we're going to be technically in La Nina status during this severe weather season. And the traditional severe weather season for most of the country uh, is March, April, May, June. Um, I, and this year, you know, if you look at the analogs and you look at the overall setup, uh, will March be active in terms of severe weather? I still think it has some potential based on the reasoning that I just talked about with the active troughs coming to the Western United States. But I would really anticipate um, an increase of severe weather potential as we get later on, April, especially May and June. Um, and that's especially speaking, if we can shove some more moisture in the ground across the western and southern and central high plains, uh, that moisture will act as uh, you know potential fuel to feed the fire when this severe weather season uh, really gets going. So uh, if I had to say, uh, are we going to have an active severe weather season across southeast Wyoming? Western Nebraska, uh, and really all across Nebraska, Eastern Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, I do think we will have an active severe weather season. So if you are if you are thinking about uh, putting some things in your risk management toolbox going forward in terms of whether it be crop insurance and whatnot, property insurance and stuff like that, I think it's something that you have to at least look at because there are some signals that would suggest as we transition from El Nino to neutral to La Nina, uh, historically speaking, uh, the midsection of the country has been pretty lit up with active severe weather seasons. 
from the past. So um, those are some of the things that I'm looking at going forward. Now, beyond that, I'm a lot more concerned about what happens after we slip through the neutral phase and go into La Nina. Last year's severe weather season, and this is especially true uh, across eastern Colorado, western Kansas, uh, and uh, even for parts of the panhandles of Oklahoma and Texas, the severe weather season was lengthy. It got started in May, and this was especially true for eastern Colorado and western Kansas. We had hail off and on from May, even into September. I think this year's severe weather season is going to be shorter than last year and much more traditional. And by much more traditional, I mean fitting the mold of March, April, May, June. Beyond that, I think we might have some issues uh, with not only generating severe uh, thunderstorms, but in general, generating thunderstorms, uh, you know, period. Um, that's especially uh, concerning to me because uh, with the with the look of the way the monsoon season may pan out uh, and being somewhat diminished, that means that a lot of that monsoonal moisture doesn't make it out of the southwest to fuel thunderstorms and to fuel rains during the, the middle and latter part of the summer. Uh, where we would have to worry about, uh, you know, drought setting back in there. So uh, I know that's a lot. I know these are some thoughts that, you know, have question marks behind them. But these are my thoughts right now, and I wanted to share them with you. And these are simply some of the things that I'm looking at every single day for you um, and trying to analyze the best of my ability to give you some heads up going forward uh, as we enter, you know, the springtime, which is you know, in many cases, our most volatile time of year in terms of, uh, you know, storminess and what type of weather uh, we can actually see, whether it's terrible wildfire danger, whether it's a significant late season cold bout, uh, whether it's excessive warmth early on, or if we're dealing with uh, the transition from blizzards to, you know, severe thunderstorms and, and tornado potential. So a uh, lot to think about here. And uh, I just wanted to get that out to you this evening. Uh, as always, I appreciate bending your ear and allowing me to share this type of information with you. If you like what you hear, please give me that feedback. Please smash those stars if you're on Spotify. The likes, I, I, I just it gives me the feedback that I know to know that you are liking what you are hearing and that you're appreciating this kind of information. Again, deeply sad by what's happened down the Texas Panhandle. Um, Thoughts and prayers with you folks. Again, I cannot reiterate that enough, but I have the utmost confidence to know that if anybody can get through this stuff, um, it's you folks down there. So bottom line, I hope you all are well, and uh, we will be chatting with you again soon here on the Desert Farmer Podcast. Y'all take care.